0: To John chapter 10, verse 10. Very familiar scripture. John 10, 10, and then we're gonna to go to 1 Peter 2:9. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. My purpose is that you might have life and that life more abundantly. 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people for God's own possession to proclaim the virtues of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This afternoon, I want to continue my series entitled, Lost, Some Things Get Lost, along the way and last week we learned that the church in general has lost its fire it's lost its passion in a lot of ways it's become lukewarm neither hot or cold and and Jesus wants us to understand that we need to be intentional that we cannot lose our intensity when it comes to the things of God But this afternoon, I want to speak to you about something else that gets lost along the way. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever lost your wallet or your identity? Wow. I tell you, it's a scary thing. In fact, one time my wife was at Costco and she was shopping and she was putting the groceries in the back of the car. And and you got to be really careful, guys and somebody literally snuck on the side of the car, opened the door and snatched her wallet. They're doing that at gas stations, they're doing it everywhere. And within one hour, they actually bought so much the thousands of dollars, they had my wife's license and it took a long time to actually rectify the situation. It's called identity theft. That they actually take your credit card and they pretend that they are you. And the truth is that according to the Federal Trade Commission, as many as 9 million Americans have their identity stolen each year. 400,000 of them are children. Can you imagine that? A person's identity is a very valuable thing to a thief. And the truth is there are people all around the world that want to hack into you and steal your identity. And Jesus tells us that the thief comes to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. And the truth is, the devil wants to hack into your spiritual identity. He wants to hack into your spiritual inheritance. He wants to hack into you spiritually, and he wants to steal your identity that's found in Jesus Christ. Now, please forgive me if you're new here, I tend to get a little excited. And right now the devil would love nothing more than to rob your identity, to steal your credit, to kill your purpose, and destroy your life. And he often does that by starting out stealing your identity. You see, the truth is there's a lot of Christians that are saved. When I say saved, I mean they're going to heaven, they've accepted Jesus Christ as their savior, but they're not living a satisfying, abundant life. They're just going through the motions, but they're, they're living in fear. They're living with great anxiety. Now listen to me. We all go through problems in our life, and there are times when fear wants to grip every single person. And there are times when we've got to battle through the emotions of our life. But listen to me. Even though we have to battle through all of that, God still wants us to be an overcomer. He wants us to learn how to go in the prayer closet. He wants us to learn how to do spiritual battle and come out on the other side saying, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Somebody help me out. Somebody say amen in this place. But the truth is the enemy of their soul has stolen their spiritual identity. It's not that they're not saved it's just that they don't know what belongs to them they don't know how to act as a christian they don't have confidence in their life you see the truth is our confidence is always tied to our spiritual identity found in christ you know king david before he was a king he was a young man who went up against the giant, and the Bible says that David walked with incredible confidence, and he fought with incredible confidence. Why? Because he said to the giant, listen, you come with swords and spears, and you come with javelins, but I come to you because I know a great God, and I'm in covenant relationship with this God, and my identity is found in God, so I'm taking you down, baby. And let me tell you something. When you've got the right spiritual identity, and you know that you are blessed by God because you're in covenant relationship with Jesus no matter what you go through in your life you're going to be able to look at the giants in your life you're going to be able to look at the difficulties in your life you're going to even be able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death you're going to even be able to face death and know this one thing joy will come in the morning because your identity is found in Jesus Christ come on somebody hallelujah See, the problem with the Israelites Israelites is they lost their confidence. God told them that they were going to be giant killers in the promised land. The Bible says they go into the promised land. They come out of the promised land. Ten of them said, we are not giant killers. We're grasshoppers. The Bible says we seem like grasshoppers in our own sight. So they were turned from giant killers into grasshoppers. And that's what the enemy wants to turn you into, a grasshopper. But when you know who you are, you can face life with confidence. And one thing that will strengthen you is this keen awareness, this absolute assurance, this undying confidence that you belong to God. You are who God says you are, and you can do what God says you can do. And the truth is, this afternoon, some of us have lost our confidence. Come on, let's be honest. We've lost our faith. Some of us in a great God, we've lost our ability to believe that God can do miracles in our life. That God will help us even when we fall, the righteous will get back seven times. Even when we fall, we'll get back up again. Why? Because we know that God is holding our hands. But some of us, we've lost our sense of identity. We're having what's called, listen to me, uh, an identity crisis. And the truth is, at one time, you were confident. You know what I'm talking about. You walked with a certain amount of boldness, not cockiness, but boldness. You just, you just knew that God was going to get you through this issue in your life. You knew that even when you faced difficult times in your life, you just knew that you knew, man, God's got this. He's got my back. He's going to get me through this difficulty in my life. I know on the other side, joy will come in the morning, but the enemy of your soul has stolen your sense of identity. How does he steal our identity? Well, number one, he steals our identity by deception and lies. He's the father of lies. You know, the Bible says in Colossians that that the devil has been rendered powerless to to the believer. That greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And when Christ died on the cross, the Bible says he disarmed all principalities and powers over our life and that we are more than conquerors. But the truth is... He, if he can get you to believe a lie about yourself, those are the strongholds that we believe about ourselves. If he can deceive you, the Bible says that we're in a spiritual war and that we're to put on the full armor of God, we're to put on the belt of truth so that when the enemy comes against us to try to deceive us and to lie to us, we can live in, in conquering, overcoming power and confidence. Why? Because we know the truth and the truth Helps us to walk in freedom. So he deceives us. Why? Because he's rendered powerless and the only thing he has is deception. He's the father of lies. He steals our identity by questioning who we are. You know, Jesus, he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And and the Bible tells us that Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Why? Because he had to be tempted and tested by the enemy. And while he was in the wilderness, this is what the enemy used against him. Every time, if you are the Son of God, do this. If you are who you say you are, do that. And that's exactly what the enemy's gonna to do to you. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to really get up here and preach? Who do you think you are to try to start to play at the church? Who do you think you are to try to teach Sunday school be a one-group leader? Who do you think you are to try to get on the worship team? Who do you think you are to try to live for God? You're nobody. See, he wants you to question who you are. And so often, we question who we are because we fail in life. And as a result of that, we believe we're a failure because we fail. Friend, just because you fail doesn't make you a failure. You're still a child of God. You know, I think one of the greatest things that the enemy uses against the church is he wants to keep us ignorant, ignorant of the truth, ignorant of who we are. The Bible says, my people, they perish for their lack of knowledge. That's why I have to tell you as your senior pastor, that, man, I am so amped, I'm so pumped up and fired up about Grow University. We're gonna be rolling out the whole thing and and by the fall, it's gonna be all in full, full operation. We're gonna have five different tracks for you. Why? Because I believe the church needs to go back to the word. We have lost a passion for studying the word systematically. We wanna hear nice sermons that make us feel good, let me tell you you can't live off a feel-good sermon you've got to live off the word you've got to be able to study the word you've got to be able to rightly divide the word you've got to know the word so well that it can speak back to you when you're facing giants in your life you've got to know the word and so on wednesday nights we we're having grow university and we're going to have five tracks when we're all said and done there's going to be five tracks a foundational track We're gonna have a men's track because God showed me that we need to train men. We need to train men how to be godly men, godly husbands, godly fathers, and godly leaders. We're gonna have a woman's track, why? Because God showed me we need to train women how to be godly women, godly moms, godly godly wives, and godly leaders. You think that's gonna stop me for a moment? I need a microphone. into, And so we're going to have these tracks. We're going to have an apology. Apolo- we're going we're gonna to teach people how to defend the, the faith. We're going to arm people with the ability to go back into their college. What's going on here? We're we're gonna we're gonna arm people with the ability to understand the facts about the Bible and why it really makes a whole lot of sense to believe in God. We're gonna help you to work through all of that. That's another track. We're gonna have a Bible track where people are gonna learn systematically the books of the Bible. We're gonna teach them what the context of the books of the Bible are, and we're gonna have a family track. We're gonna teach families how to be families. And so I want to encourage you to sign up. You know, uh, Pastor Henry came downstairs to the lounge. I was hanging out between services, and he said, "You know, we, I know we've got the tutorial for the app." Uh, he said, "But you know, the 12:30 sh- crowd—they're so sharp. They don't even have to watch it. They're so good." So, so listen. I want you to take out your phone right now, and I want you to—I want you to plug into the Bible app. or, Or the app on your phone. Go to the store where you can get the app, and 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 I want you to put in the Bethlehem app, the Bethlehem app. And on that app, you can sign up for these classes while I'm speaking. It's really easy. You can you can download sermons. You can find out everything that's happening in the church. It is a fabulous app, and I want to thank my staff for putting that together. But we need to get back into the Word. And this afternoon, I want to remind you, my dear friend, never forget who you are in Christ. Never forget what God really sees in you. But this afternoon, for a few moments, I want to dig a little deeper. I want to help you to recover your identity. See, that's what you have to do. When somebody steals your license, when somebody steals your credit card and they begin to use your license and they begin to pretend they're you, you have to go through what's called identity recovery. And sometimes you have to you produce a. A birth certificate. You've got to show them you're really who you are. And friend, I want to tell you today, you've got a birth certificate and it's in a safety box in heaven. As the Bible says that you've been born again by the precious blood of Jesus and you have an inheritance that cannot spoil and fade and it's kept for you in heaven. Somebody help me out and say amen. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think I came to the wrong church this afternoon. I think I made a wrong turn because my church would get on their knees uh, on their feet and they would begin to praise the lord and say thank you jesus i've got an inheritance that cannot spoil i'm a citizen of heaven and no one can rob me no one can steal it from me come on somebody stand up and give give the lord some praise today say thank you jesus because you are a good god and i've got a citizenship in heaven amen I know for some of you, your favorite hymn is, I Will Not Be Moved. <laughs> but we're going to go through some what's called identity recovery. You see, because Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he's speaking to a group of Jewish Christians. Jay, you know anything about that? A group of Jewish Christians... And they had been going through incredible trials. They had been going through the fire. You know why? Because as Jews, they embraced Christianity. And not everybody was happy with that. And so they were being thrown out of their homes, they were being thrown in prison. Some of them were being martyred, giving their lives for the gospel. Now, I want you to know I love my family and I love my heritage. I'm Italian. If you didn't notice, I'm Pentecostal in Italian. That's why I scream a lot and get excited. And I'm a Malazzo. I'm a Christian first, but I'm a Malazzo and I'm I'm proud of my heritage and I love my family. And thank God, Christmas time, Thanksgiving, Easter, all these special times and holidays. I can get together with my family. I love it because I love my family. I know some of you, that's the time you say, thank God I get on a plane and get away from my family. (laughs) But I love my family. And just think for a moment, please, think for a moment if you embrace Christ like... It's happening all around the world today. You embrace Christ and your family literally rips their sleeves and says to you, you are dead. You're not a part of my family anymore. I don't even recognize that you're alive. And they put you out of the temple. They put you out of the synagogue like they were happening there. That, that was happening there where people were actually being persecuted because they embraced Christ. And as a result of that, they were going through what was called an identity crisis and Peter had to remind them of who they were because it's hard man when you go through things like that you're kind of wondering who am I you know they grew up all their life understanding that they were Hebrew they understood their culture everything about them was Hebrew everything about them was Jewish They were so used to going into the temple. They were so used to doing the sacrifices. They were so used to enjoying the festivals and the feasts, all kinds of Jewish things. But now they were thrown out of the temple. They were thrown out of the Jewish community. And now they had to find their identity all over again. And their identity needed to be found in Christ, in Christ alone. And Peter says, I want you to know today, as he begins uh, 1 Peter, he says, you have been born again and you have your citizen in heaven and your citizenship is kept in heaven for you so that you have this inheritance that cannot spoil or fade and no one can take it away from you and even if they throw you out of the temple, even if they throw you in prison, even if they take away your life, I want you to know one thing Peter said. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people and you're God's own protection and possession and I want you to know today that no matter what you go through in your life God is saying you're still mine so Peter begins to tell them he says the first thing I want to remind you is this that you are a chosen race everybody say with me I'm chosen I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and I want you to tell them, I'm still convinced that you're the funniest looking person I've ever seen in my life, but you're chosen by God. Come on, I know you hate when I tell you to do that. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, and you happen to be even funnier looking than the person that I already said, but you are chosen by God. So who are we? Peter gives us several definitions of who we are in Christ. He says, number one, you are a chosen race. Now, I know that Peter's talking about Israel, and he's talking to Jews. But notice this one thing that we have been grafted in. Thank God for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thank God for Moses. Thank God for the Jewish nation. But the Bible tells us that when Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, he broke down the dividing barriers that kept us from one another. And now Gentile or Jew, he brought us together to be one nation, one people, one man under Christ. And so now we are a chosen people. And here's what the Bible says. And you have been chosen throughout all the world to be in Christ Jesus. It's powerful. It's chosen race. It's not racial. It's a chosen race. It's not a white race. And it's not a black race. And it's not a Hispanic race. And it's not an Asian race. It's not an ethnic race. It's a new people chosen from all races. It's a new people chosen from all colors from all cultures, from all places where we now gather together in one place and we glorify God as one people, a one family, one community. Come on, somebody, say we are one. Now, I got to tell you, I, I love visiting other churches. I do. I, I, just a couple of weeks ago, I, I went to, uh, to Missouri and I visited a church in Missouri. And let me tell you, it was all white. I mean, everybody in that place was white. They had gray hair they had they had white hair they had black hair they had no hair but they were all white did you ever see a white piece of paper that is boring I couldn't wait to get back home to my church because I think my church is the greatest church in all the world And the thing that makes my church so wonderful is we have 50 different nations represented first generation people that come from all over the world that have gathered together to worship God together to be one family. You see, we are a chosen race of people out of all the races on the earth. We've been chosen by God. Man, that's powerful. And our citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. John says in Revelation, after this I looked and saw a multitude too large to count. From every nation and every tribe and every people and tongue standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And my friend, we've been chosen from every tribe, every people, every nation, every color, every ethnicity. Because Jesus has chosen you to be in his family. And our identity does not come from what we do. Our identity comes from who we belong to. It comes from one thing. Our chosenness. That the Bible tells us that before we were born. Before the world was ever created before the the master plans before the blueprint was ever even communicated to anyone in heaven other than the son and the Holy Spirit the Bible says that God chose you before the foundations of the world that you should be found in him blameless and holy and you should be adopted as sons and daughters through the powerful grace of the Lord Jesus Christ before the world was ever created God chose you to be in his kingdom. Everybody say I'm chosen. <laughs> Jesus said you didn't choose me but I chose you and I appointed you that you would go bear fruit and that you, your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the father in my name he may give it to you. I love this one. Deuteronomy says for you are a holy people. To the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. And your identity doesn't come from where you came from. Your identity comes from where he came from. To come down to earth. Die on the cross for your sins. So you might be adopted into the family of God. I want you to say with me, my chosenness becomes my identity. And my identity comes from my chosenness. You've been chosen by God. That leads me to the second point. Not only are you chosen by God, but the Bible tells us that we are a kingly priesthood. That we are a royal priesthood. Now when you think of the Old Testament and you recognize the power of what Peter is saying, Peter's talking to Jewish Christians. They fully understand. Listen to me. They fully understand the sacrificial system of the Jewish laws and regulations. They they understand the tabernacle very well. They understand that God said to Moses, build me a tabernacle according to the pattern. They understand that in the tabernacle there was an outer court, there was an inner court, there was a holy place, and there was the holy of holies. And they understood very well that there was only one man that could go into the Holy of Holies and that was Aaron the high priest and he could only go into the presence of God once a year and he would bring the blood of a lamb and he would go into the Holy of Holies and he would sprinkle the mercy seat and he would come out and he would declare the people of God, the Israelites, that they were clean, they were forgiven, they were atoned for. It was called the Day of Atonement, Yama kippur and they understood that no one was allowed into the presence of almighty god but the high priest and it was only because he was carrying the blood of a lamb and now jesus comes and john the baptist says behold the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world and so now peter says but you are a chosen people that god chose you to be in his family but that you are also a kingly priesthood or a royal priesthood. And man, when he said that, they recognized that he was saying that they have permission now to go into the very throne room of God. That now because of what Christ did on the cross, That when he died on the cross, he he ripped the veil in two, and the Bible says he gave us access into the very presence of God. So now it's not just one man who goes into the presence of God, but now because of what Jesus did, you and I have access into the very presence of God. As the Bible says, he's our high priest, and he's been touched with the feelings of our infirmity, and he's been tempted in all ways like we are tempted. Therefore, we can go boldly into the throne of grace to receive mercy in a time of need you have access to God you don't need a mediator because you've got Jesus as your mediator you don't need a man you don't need somebody to go for you you can go yourself now now I understand that there are some factions in the Christian faith who want to deceive you to tell you that you need a man that's that that's control want to keep you ignorant of the word let me be honest I'm going to be bold right now I'm going to tell you that there are some factions in the Christian church today that would tell you that you need a priest so that you can confess to the priest so he can go to God. But the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. And you can come to Jesus yourself. You've got divine access into the very presence of God. That's powerful. It's the priesthood of every believer. It's called. That every believer can go and be a priest before God. And, and, and listen to what Hebrews chapter 10 says. So dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen to the words he says. That word boldly means confidently. That we can have confidence in prayer. That we can have confidence to go into the presence of God, we don't have to cower in the presence of God. We don't have to send somebody else in our stead because we've been chosen by God. We can go into the very presence of God. I love when I go somewhere and I'm standing on a long line and somebody spots me. Somebody important spots me and they go, oh, hey, there's Steve. And they're like, come. And I'm able to get access into a place. And let me tell you, that's exactly what Jesus is saying to you today, dear Christian. Child of God, that you're standing on the line and you're hoping to get into the presence of God. And there are people in front of you. Your fears are in front of you. Your doubts and insecurity are in front of you. That Jesus is coming out and calling you, saying, Come on, you can go, you can pass the you can bypass that line of insecurity. You can bypass that line of fear. You can bypass that line of guilt and condemnation. And you can come into my father's house. In my father's house, there are many mansions, if or we're not so So I would have told you, but I go away to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you might be also. Very presence of God. Listen to what he says. Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a high priest who rules over God's house, this rules over God's house. Let us go right, let, listen, 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 listen. Lean forward a little bit. Go ahead, go ahead. You got to get this one. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty conscience has been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water my friend, we no longer need a priest to pray for us because we've got the high priest who goes in for us. We're a priest. But but not only do we have access, but we have responsibility as a priest. You know, uh, in the Old Testament, the priests, man, they were really, they were dressed nice. I mean, they had this robe on and they had this ephod and On the ephod with all these like gems and they were looking good and they would go into the presence of God with this incredible robe on. But you know, the Bible tells us that we've been robed and clothed in the righteousness of Christ so so tomorrow morning when you when you get down on your knees and you pray remember you're not a pauper anymore you're not a beggar you don't beg god to hear you you don't beg God to come into your life you don't beg God to get into the presence of God almighty you come into the presence of God and you recognize you've been clothed with the righteousness of Christ that you're in Christ Jesus and there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus and when God looks at you he sees the beauty he sees the glory he sees the majesty he sees the love he sees the righteousness and he sees the holiness of jesus that's been imputed upon you so he says come into your my presence why because you are beautiful in my sight because i see my son in you hallelujah somebody help me out today but we've got some responsibility we don't take the blood of a a lamb With us, we don't take a physical sacrifice, but the Bible says in Hebrews, now we offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise to our God. You don't have to take a sacrifice with you. You don't have to take a lamb. The lamb's already done it. You just have to come into the presence of God and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. I'm in the presence of God because of what Jesus did. Oh, but we have another responsibility, that we don't take a sacrifice because Romans chapter 12 tells us that we come into the presence of God and our reasonable act of worship is to offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. See, the problem with living sacrifices, we always want to crawl off the altar. But we, we come before God and we bring ourselves to God. We bring our praise to God. Listen to me. And the other thing we do is we intercede or we pray for those who don't know God. Now let me stop for a moment. And let me give you a little editorial for a moment. Eight years ago, some of you were unhappy with who got elected as the president. Today, some of you are unhappy who was elected as the president. But the Bible tells us at this point, where to intercede for those that are in authority, And for all those that are around us so we might live a peaceful life, it's time to get off of Facebook, get off your soapbox, stop complaining about who's in the White House and know God is in the throne room. Hallelujah. He's on the throne. He's in control. And we need to pray for our country and we need to come together. One people chosen together, a holy priesthood, a holy people who've been called from every nation around the world to say we are the family of God and the answer is not in the White House it's in the house of God it's here that was free of charge I won't charge you for that number three Peter says as I wrap it up Peter says you're a chosen people a chosen race a royal priesthood and you're a holy nation or a holy people this is really, really important. You know why? Because I believe the church has lost the real definition or meaning of holiness. Over the centuries, we have made holiness into a set of rules and regulations. If I do this, if I don't do this, then I'm holy. You know, I I was born into an Italian Pentecostal church holiness church it's a lot like a latin pentecostal holiness church or a caribbean pentecostal holiness church in that church the women had to wear long dark dresses and they couldn't wear makeup and i remember as a kid saying that woman can use some makeup And you couldn't do anything in the holiness church. In fact, you couldn't smile when you went to church because the pastor thought if you were smiling on Sunday morning, you did something you shouldn't have done on Saturday night. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. And and we've made we've gone to extremes and we've made holiness. What we do, we've made holiness into a set of rules and regulations And let me tell you, we have lost, listen to me, we have lost the beauty. We have lost the majesty we have lost the glory, we have lost the power of what it really means to be holy. As God said, you be holy as I am holy. What he was saying is because I'm so holy and I've sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, you need to be holy, not act like you're holy, not wish you were holy, not try to be holy, but you need to recognize that you are holy because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You're changed, you've been transformed You've been made into a new person. Hallelujah. You've shed the old and the new has come. You're a child of God and you're holy in the sight of God. I got to tell you something. I'm having fun up here today. (laughs) You know, my week was crazy this week. I was so busy up to Wednesday night. We had a business meeting. I'm so proud of you people here today because let me tell you, the church has decided to go forward, buy property, and expand. I'm proud of you so much. We had this meeting. It was so busy. We got up, I got up at 3.15 in the morning on Thursday, got on a plane by 5.30, 6 o'clock in the a.m., went to Florida, was there for one day, flew back so I can be at a young adult youth convention, spoke at the youth convention till 10 o'clock last night, screamed my guts out, we prayed, kids were getting filled with the Holy Spirit, got up this morning and did this three times. If I could do this three times, you could shout three times. Come on, somebody. That's one, that's two. That's three. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. But we have lost the majesty of holiness. So as we close today, let me give you what holiness is. I told you what holiness is not. But holiness, number one, listen to me, is being clean. It's being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Listen what it says in Ezekiel chapter 36. This is the gospel. Listen to this, Pastor Jared. Ezekiel 36, the gospel in the Old Testament. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. And your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. The gospel in Ezekiel 36. Here it is. I will sprinkle you with water. I will cleanse you by my blood. I will put my spirit inside of you. You will become born again by the spirit of God. And the spirit of God will give you the The courage and the ability to serve me and love me and do all that I've commanded you to do. The gospel. Hebrews chapter 9 says, not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the most holy place once and for all, having attained eternal redemption for you and I. And so being holy, number one, means That you are clean now in the presence of God. Number two, holiness means that you're blameless in God's sight. Colossians 1.22 says that we're blameless in God's sight. Christ has now reconciled you to God in his physical body through death in order, listen, listen, to present you before the Father holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Holiness means one, you've been cleansed. Two, it means when you stand before God, you are now considered blameless in His sight. That every sin that you've ever committed in your past is under the blood of Jesus. That everything that you've done in your past is thrown in the sea of forgetfulness never to remember it again. Listen, the next time the devil wants to remind you of your past, tell him he's got to go through the blood to get to your past. Hallelujah. Holiness means, listen to me, I love this. Holiness means that you are the righteousness of God. The Bible tells us that Jesus took on sin. He became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. What does it mean to be the righteousness of God? Well, it means because you've been cleansed, because you're blameless before God. Now, listen to me, in this unrighteous world, in this world that's filled with darkness, in this world that's filled with sin, you become the living epistle and the righteousness of God to a world that's lost and going to hell. That's powerful you become the very righteousness of God you're the salt of the earth you're the light of the world I want you to say with me I'm clean I'm blameless and I become the righteousness of God but it goes on holiness doesn't only mean that you're clean and you're the righteousness of God and you're blameless but it also means that you can now live in victory over sin because Paul the apostle tells us listen we've been baptized into the death of christ and raised to a new life he said therefore don't allow the members of your body to become slaves to sin because now you're a victor over sin i want to tell you young man i want to tell you young lady I want to tell you, whoever you are today, you don't need to live in addiction any longer. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You don't have to live with that sin any longer. You don't have to say, I don't have the strength. You don't have to say, I can't do it. The devil made me do it. I want to tell you today that you have victory over sin in your life because you are the righteousness of God. You have the blood of Jesus and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. For when Christ died, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him in victory. But I love this one. We're clean. We're blameless. We're the righteousness of God. But I love this one. We've been set apart by God. Holiness, listen to me as I close. Holiness is being set apart by God. In the Old Testament, listen. Peter knew exactly what he was saying and and the people he was saying it to knew exactly what Peter was meaning. In the Old Testament, they the priest would have to go into the holy of holies and they would have to they would have to make sure that everything in the temple would be listen to me cleansed and set apart for the use of the temple. They were considered every utensil, every instrument was listen to me was symbolically a foreshadow of Christ. He is the bread of life, the table of showbread. He is the light of the world, the candlesticks. He is the very altar of God. And the Bible says the priest would have to make sure it was ceremonially clean. And I'm here to tell you today that every one of us in this room, when we gave our life to Christ, God set us apart. To be used for his use. Young lady, don't sell your birthright. Young man, don't sell your inheritance. You've been set apart by God. The word sanctified means to be set apart, to be holy unto the Lord. And the Bible says we're to come out from amongst them and be separate from the Lord. Not weird, not particular in a way that makes people say, What in the world is going on with that person? But we are to be different from them in the way that we act, in the way that we live. Not to make us holy, but because we are holy. Come on, somebody. Say amen. We've been set apart by God. You've been cleansed. You are the righteousness of God, and you've been set apart. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 14. You've been set apart to be holy, kadash, to the Lord your God. And he chose you from all the nations of the earth to be his own special possession. Young lady, don't sell your birthright because you belong to God. And you're his possession. Young man, you belong to God. We belong to God. Holiness means that you are God's masterpiece created in Christ to do good works. Would you bow your heads right now? I want to pray for you this afternoon because holiness is powerful. Holiness is beautiful. Holiness is majestic. Holiness is glorious. And holiness is who you are. Be holy even as your God is holy. Your identity is completely found in Christ. And because you are found in Christ, you are holy. Listen to me. Never forget how God really looks at you. He sees you as the apple of his eye. He sees you as complete in Christ. He sees you as perfect in Christ. He sees you as seated in heavenly places with Christ. He sees you as a giant killer, a promised land possessor, and an heir of all of God's kingdom. But maybe this afternoon as we pray, you have forgotten who you are in Christ. You've allowed your failures to tell you that you're a failure. You've allowed your struggles to tell you that you just don't have the strength to do it. You've allowed your insecurity to tell you that you're not important. You've allowed your pain to tell you that you're never going to get better. You've allowed your fear to tell you that you can't do it. You've allowed the giants in your life to tell you that you can't defeat your problems and your situations in your life. You've allowed someone to tell you that you're not worthy. i want you to keep your eyes closed and i want jesus to remind you today that you've been purchased and redeemed by his precious blood you've been set free from condemnation and shame you have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and you are a partaker of his glorious inheritance and nature he's given you everything you need for a life of godliness he's renewed you in the spirit of your mind you are rooted and grounded in his love you're able to do all things you are spiritually seated in heavenly places you're a new creation the old has been shed the new has come you're created in the likeness of God and his righteousness and holiness you are filled with the power of God to overcome sin and temptation and strongholds in your life you have put on the armor of light and you can stand against the forces of darkness against you you can boldly proclaim the mysteries of the gospel and you're able to smile at the future knowing that your king that your father your bridegroom is returning for you and at the twinkling of an eye you will be changed Oh, God, we thank you that, Lord, we're not going to allow the enemy to steal our identity, but we're going to walk confidently in who we are in Christ because we're no longer slaves. We are children of the Most High God. Come on, stand to your feet and sing this with me. With melody, you surround me with a song. Yes, Lord. from my enemies from my enemies until all my fears are gone i'm no longer a slave Come on, sing it like you mean it I am a child of God Come on listen to this verse From my mother's womb, From my mother's room you, you chose me Love has called my name I've been born again, I've been born again. Into your family. Hallelujah. Your blood flows Come on. I'm no longer a slave. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave. your head bowed and your eyes closed in this place you say pastor steve i'm gonna be honest with you today i'm not certain that if i died today i'd go to heaven i just don't know really even where to start i'm gonna tell you where you start you start with coming before god and saying god i need you to forgive me and i need jesus christ to be my savior and my lord you say pastor steve i I just don't know if i'm if i'm gonna go to heaven That's okay. You start with saying, I don't know, so that somebody can show you the way. You can learn. You can start learning what the Word of God says about what God wants for your life. Man, listen to me. God has a plan for your life, and it's huge. But it starts with you recognizing that you need God to be the center of your life. You say, Pastor, would you pray for me today? I want God to be the center of my life. I want you to slip up your hand. I want to pray for you right now. If you're here, you say, I want God to be the center of my life. Just slip up your hand right now. All across this place, say, Pastor, I want to make, want to make Jesus the Savior of my life. Just slip up your hand quickly all over this place. We're going to pray right now. I see those hands all over this place today. We're going to pray together right now. But before we do that, I I want to say something. The Holy Spirit is prompting me to say something there's 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 some women in this room today listen to me carefully there's some women in this room today and your identity has taken a beating and you just you have lost your sense of confidence you've lost your sense of identity because someone told you that you were never meant to be born somebody told you that you were not good enough. Somebody told you that you don't measure up. It might have been your daddy. It might have been your mom. It might have been your husband. It might have been somebody that you looked up to. Man, and they crushed your spirit. I'm here to tell you today that tomorrow morning when you wake up, when you open your eyes and you put your feet to the floor, I want you to know that your Abba, your Daddy God, the most awesome moment of your life, the most holy moment of your life is when you look in the mirror and you don't have any makeup on and God says to you, I love you just the way you are. You are my queen. You are my princess. You are my daughter. And I died for you so that you might have eternal life and you belong to me. It doesn't matter what anybody else said about you. You're special. You're the apple of God. God's eye hallelujah that was for somebody in this room today but I want to pray a prayer all across this place right now I want you to raise your hands and I want you to say with me all across this place today I want you to say God my father thank you that you have loved me with an everlasting love God my father thank you that you have chosen me that you have made me a royal priesthood and that you have changed me I am holy Jesus thank you for dying on the cross cleanse me today thank you Jesus for never leaving me nor forsaking me Holy Spirit set me apart consecrate me, fill me with your fire, and send me, send me to be the righteousness of God into this world. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone said, and everyone said, come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to ask those